Sports Minutes with Elliot Danker and Ziaul Roshan. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It's now time for Sports Minutes. I'm Elliot Danker together with Ziaul Roshan. What a jam-packed sporting weekend we've had. Yeah, it certainly is, right? I mean, the last weekend was the international break. Didn't have much. And then, bam, this weekend. Football was back. Formula One was back. So much to discuss. They really hit you thick and fast with uh, everything. The highlight has to be over the weekend, uh, some of the games that happened. Uh, one in particular was uh, a certain Arsenal taking on Chelsea. I want to get your opinion first, uh, Raushan. Uh, was it uh, two points lost for Chelsea or questionable uh, situation for Arsenal? Are they really title contenders? I mean, when you look <laughs> at it, it has to be two points dropped for Chelsea because at some point they were leading 2-0 yeah. and you thought, okay, here goes Arsenal's unbeaten run. It's coming to an end and you're happy for Chelsea because... Pochettino has been trying to galvanise the Chelsea team and get them going. So they're leading 2-0 against Arsenal, who've started the season quite brightly. Mm. So I think for Arsenal to maintain their unbeaten record despite being 2-0 down and to come back, it will galvanise them slightly. But they've got issues because I think Mikel Arteta might have put himself in a bit of a situation. Yeah, and all this surrounds a certain David Raya, who has been first choice. So I remember I was, you know, as preparing for all this, I researched back some four weeks ago, and a certain Jamie Redknapp and uh, Jimmy Carragher came out to speak about this. Um, I recall one comment from uh, a certain uh, Carragher four weeks ago saying that you very often, in a good team, you do not have two top-class goalkeepers fighting yep. for number one. Yep. It's one or the other. If you have two world-class ones fighting for number one, it means you yourself as a manager are undecided. I think so. I think they are on to something because I understand football is a squad game now with the sheer number of matches they have to play. Mm. But the goalkeeping position is not one that you rotate. Correct. You can rotate your wingers, your strikers, your midfielders because they do a lot more running. But with the goalkeeper, you want some form of stability at least, right? So while Ateta prefers having two players for every position, I think he said it on record. Yep. I think choosing to have two, I won't say world-class because I don't think Raya and Ramsdale are in that bracket, okay. but they are steady hands. But to have them competing against each other and then it's not a good look when Raya's dropping clangers like that, yeah. when Ramsdale has been dropped for no obvious reason at least. Yeah. So Ateta yeah. has a decision to make here. Yeah, and, and questions over Ramsdale and you know that fight for the number one spot uh, in England. And I tell you what doesn't help, the Premier League coverage doesn't help because every time Raya drops a clanger, they can will cut to a shot of Ramsdale uh, on the bench. They are just oh, oh, yeah, stirring yeah, the pot, yeah. right, in that I mean, sense. you've got to have a narrative, right? <laughs> and we love the narrative. That's why we even do this show. Here's what Shaka Hislop had to say about this whole Raya versus Ramsdale. Is it a case of perhaps uh, an opportunity for Ramsdale? Or I bet, you know, you put yourself in Mikal Ateta's situation, uh, uh, Raushan. You've got no choice. Huh? I bought this guy. Okay, la, i got to save my own face. Uh. <laughs> I think Arteta will stick with him because he's boxed himself into a corner. I, I think he's made this. And, and, it, was, and it was this kind of, and, and I complained about it at the time, this weird precursor about, well, there were a couple of times I wanted to change my goalkeeper during the game. I mean, it, everything about it was just odd. And now he's found himself in a pretty similar position that he did with Havertz, mm. where it's, it's, it's going, I don't think it's as bad as it was with Havertz, but it's... it's very close to it, where he has no other choice but to. And it, I don't quite think he's there yet. Mm. But again, I think even more than with Havertz, he has boxed himself into this. Because at least with Havertz, he brought him in the summer, he was trying to give him some time, um, but, but now he's left one player out to bring in, to bring in Raya. And, and again, in my opinion, there, there wasn't a good reason for that. And now he's trying to figure out 
how to adjust and, and save face, given some of the things that he said. Wow, using all the right words, right? Safe face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's what Ateta has to do now because to your point earlier, now mm. Ateta has to back his own decision, yeah. right? Does he stick or twist at this point? I think Ramsdale can learn a thing or two. I never thought I'll say this from Harry Maguire. Oh, wow. Because uh, I feel like he was dropped. Yeah, okay, obviously yeah. he had his performances, had his boo boys, so slightly yeah. different situation. But look at what Harry Maguire has done. He's kept quiet. Yeah. He's waited for his opportunity. Granted, it was against a lowly Sheffield. He put in a good performance. Man it's of still, the match. Exactly. <laughs> it's still a good performance. And I guess you have to remain professional that way because while we talk about this narrative and the Premier League cameras forcing the narrative, I think Ramsdale will be smiling inside slightly because yeah. that's the only way he can force his way back into Arteta's plans, right? By Raya dropping clangers? Uh, I suppose so. And at some point, Mikel Arteta is going to have to go back to what's tried and tested. It, it questions now will surround uh, the choices he made during the summer transfer window. Kai Havertz being one of them that Shaka Hislop uh, brought up while he was speaking to ESPN FC. But uh, you bring up Harry Maguire, that man of the match performance against Sheffield United. Not a vintage Manchester United performance, but three points rescued. Fair yeah, to say? We haven't seen a vintage Manchester United performance all season long. If they didn't get three points against Sheffield, I would assume it's worrying times. I personally was away this weekend did not watch the game only mm -hmm. watched the highlights but what a goal from Diego Dalo and I yeah. think I think Manchester United I know all the fans are waiting on them to make uh, a performance yep. make like you yep. know get that get it right and yep. show what they are capable of but I do think with Sir Bobby Charlton's passing this weekend was a bit of a heavy one yep. you can say what you like about football not being part of that whole thing but I think it was weighing on the players' minds they did Maybe. Yeah. have a memory before yeah. the game I saw yeah. uh, Bruno Fernandes put the brief down yeah. in memory of Sir Bobby Charlton so I think there was a lot weighing on it and maybe listeners will say I'm giving Manchester United too much credit in that sense but I think getting three points was the most important thing because Getting three points while you're playing bad is a yeah. skill in itself. That That is what counts, right? Because that can go a long way at the end of the season as for Sir Bobby Charlton. I mean, uh, I'm, I can only say I'm jealous of my father's era. They got to see him play at the big stage at 66 or even 68 in the European Cup and Bobby Charlton's always like the, the myth mythical creature of Manchester United this this uh, this legend you hope to only see you know yeah I think you're spot on there because you talk about our previous generations being able to watch him yes, in the flesh or watch yes. him live rather yeah. it's it's a different excitement yeah. and I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say I knew Bobby Charlton as a yep. player We're too or, young but we know of his folklore of mm. his legacy we know there's a statue outside Old Trafford of Sir Bobby mm. Charlton and obviously with that Munich aircraft and for them to come back after that he was pivotal to that yep. and you can only mourn the loss of someone but I do think Manchester United with Lady Cathy's passing and then now Sir Bobby's passing it seems like we are reaching that stage. Heavy, yeah? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot weighing on it. There is some worry there and uh, I think any Manchester United fan will be able to get a hint of what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, what have we learned this weekend from the Premier League? Manchester City are interestingly leaving the door ajar for teams winning 2-1 against Brighton. Newcastle United look like they're doing the business but it was just Crystal Palace. Are you ready for Liverpool though? They look they look good. They do. They do look good. It's always uh, good to win the Merseyside derby, win it in clinical fashion like they did. Mo Salah, there were rumours that he might leave for Saudi towards the end of the transfer window, mm. suddenly putting in these man-of-the-match performances. But it's shaping up. It's taking shape, right? You mentioned City being forerunners, Arsenal in the mix, Liverpool in the mix, Tottenham with a win with a game in hand. They can go top of the table. So it's all quite exciting in the Premier League. And dare I say it, I hope Manchester United can only join the party soon. There you go with your menu ways. <laughs> 
All right, let's take a turn and head over to the United States. This is the final corner of the last lap. The Dutch driver looks up and sees a checkered flag first for the 50th time in Formula One. Max Verstappen takes victory. He wins the US Grand Prix once again. Lewis Hamilton got the gap down to 2.2 seconds. At the end, Lando Norris takes his 12th career podium. The top three with outstanding performances. Wow. Wow, we wow. And for me, my first reaction was, hey, Hamilton in top three again. <laughs> <laughs> the Lewis Hamilton fans were excited for this, right? But lo and behold, after the race, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc have both been disqualified from mm. the United States Grand Prix. Following the race in Austin, I think their cars were inspected. Mm. Irregularities were spotted by the FIA technical team after a plankware inspection was carried out. So therefore, they lose their podium places, which means Norris and Carlos Sainz go into the top three. How on earth did this happen to Hamilton? I I mean, it's it's difficult to draw conclusions after this late technical drama, as you mentioned. Um, but uh, it, you know, when you consider that Hamilton brought the pace down to just within what two seconds or, or less than that, uh, how on earth did Mercedes allow? this to happen. I think that's the situation Mercedes find themselves in. With Red Bull winning at a canter, they've got that car to perfection, right? In Formula 1, you're going to try and push the envelope as far as possible without breaking the rules to try and close that gap. And I believe that's what Ferrari and Mercedes tried to do with this Plankware. And sometimes you cross the line in terms of breaking the regulations, right? That's what's happened here. But I think the positive for Mercedes, and I know the large number of Mercedes fans have been ailing in the past few years at least, they are closing the gap slowly. So this hopefully bodes for a more competitive, dare I say, 2024. Well, it goes a long way, uh, as you mentioned, you know, closing the gap because uh, all this at least goes into the constructor's finish where Mercedes looked potentially to finish second and get some prize money for the development of next year's car, the lower that they are. I mean, Red Bull's going to get the most money, right? Because it looks like they're going to win. But uh, hey, uh, he is a triple champion now, Max Verstappen. He already won uh, some weeks ago. And uh, Lewis Hamilton has come out to praise the man, you know, uh, saying... Praising him as flawless, mm. you know, mm. as a champion. Yeah. And, and that that's that's big from a, from a seven-time world champion. And I think that's the headspace Lewis Hamilton finds himself at this point. He's quite uh, giving in the way he's talking yeah. about the rest of the paddock. And say what you like about Max Verstappen. I know there's tribalism. I know there's factions when it comes to support. But Verstappen does look faultless at this point, right? It's all yeah, good man. giving that beautiful car but extracting everything out of it. I mean, just compare Max to his teammate. Mm. They both technically drive the same car, but you can see the gulf in performances as well. And I think Lewis particularly appreciates Max being a three-time world champion because it's not just about winning one title, but maintaining that appetite to continuously succeed. And... I hope for the sport's sake, it does get slightly a bit more competitive because I think as much as the Verstappen hype train will drive the audiences, nothing like some rivalries to drive the audiences slightly. Yeah, and, and you know, when you look at other teams like Ferrari, you've got these charismatic drivers like Carlos Sainz, uh, even Lando Norris seems to be coming up a little bit. Uh, and, and you hope that that charisma, right, will drive audiences to want to you know, get to know these teams better. I mean, there's been a lot of criticism. You and I have been ones to criticise that Max is a little bit boring (laughs) for the cameras. Like, it's almost reached a stage where three things in life are certain death, taxes, and Max Verstappen winning a Grand Prix, right? So it does get a bit bit repetitive. But I tell you what could make things more exciting above and beyond 
more competitive cars, maybe driver changes. And we've heard, I've heard some rumors that going into Mexico GP, Sergio Perez might possibly yeah. be leaving the team and announcing his retirement at his uh, home race. Uh, by retirement, I'm saying he's not going to get a Formula 1 seat next year. So is that the time? That's something to look forward to. So for me, in a sense where football transfers excite me, the driver lineup conversations also excite me slightly because whoever goes up against Max now has such a tall order. Who, who do you want to see? I mean, I a lot of rumours going around that uh, it's um, a certain uh, Danny Ricardo going back to that seat. I mean, it seems to be going towards that. But uh, I personally like to see someone like Lawson, you know, just go I, in and, and a young young driver. I, you know? I take your point. I take your point. But I feel Ricardo is more savvy to go up against Max Verstappen. Someone like Lawson deserves a Formula 1 seat, but perhaps he should start at Alpha Tauri. Sports Minutes on Money FM 89.3.